Hello, friends, and welcome back to Candid with Carrie. I'm your host, Carrie, and I am so glad that you're here today. I gotta tell you guys, today's episode has a different flair to it, and I think that is because I am recording at night. Well, let me preface this by saying that it's dark out, but I mean, it's still like 5.30, but you know, such is life in the Midwest uh, come fall time. So it's dark out. I just got done doing a yoga class that was specifically Taylor Swift. So that means that it was an hour yoga class of nothing but Taylor Swift songs. And oh my God, in the Janice voice from Friends, like, oh my God, that's how I feel. Like, so I am just on another level. Like, I feel so great. Like, everyone needs to do Taylor Swift yoga. I am so invigorated, and I am also drinking a lovely glass of wine, so that is definitely going to add to the flavor of today's episode. All that to tell you that you are in for a good one, folks. I am glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you are a part of the zany community, and you come on and let me chat, and you communicate that with me, whether you're talking to me on the Instagrams or the interwebs, or any other way, I just want to thank you for being a part of this community and being here, because today is going to be an entertaining one. Let's just leave it at that. This week definitely has what I'm going to call short week vibes. Um, You know, when you got a holiday week, and you know it's going to be a short week, and you're just like, hmm, like, do I have enough time to start a new project? Should I not? Should I what? Should I do this? Should I do that? Like, And you're like mentally preparing yourself around the holiday, and you're like, you know, I have things to pitch to people and things to work on, but I'm like, how are there going to be people who aren't in the office? Like, should I do it? Should I wait? Like, it's this big teeter-totter game of like, what do I do? So it's short week vibes. And it's really messing with me because I love Mondays. I love to work. You guys know that. It really makes me happy to work. So having like extra time off, like regardless, I love Thanksgiving. I love family time. I love eating food, you know, like gluttonous food. Like I love it. But I still like I, it's messing with my flow of how I do things. And it's putting me in a little little pickle, a little tizzy. And it's annoying me. So we just got some short week vibes going on. I really just want to get over Thanksgiving, get through Thanksgiving, which I love. Honestly, it's going to be great. But then get back in the swing of things, uh, you know, and get get shit done. Maybe I'm weird. I don't know. Maybe you, you guys, maybe this is where I lose you guys. You guys are like, she's crazy. Uh, I don't like to work. Get me out of here. Short week vibes for the win. I, I don't really know, but that's how I feel. All right. Let's move it right along into some content updates for the week. I have ingested some content in the last week and I'm here to tell you about it. I finished Dope Sick, which is a show that was on Hulu. I think it was eight or 10 episodes long. I can't remember, but I'd been watching it for a while and I told you guys I really recommended it. It wrapped up and ended. And I do recommend it. I thought the ending was great. And I really think it was a great series. It was one of those things that was heartbreaking to watch because it's based on a true story. It's still very much going on in our country right now. If you're not familiar with Dope Sick, go back a couple episodes. I kind of deep dive into it a little bit more. But a really well done series. Rosario Dawson did an amazing job in it. Michael Keaton did an amazing job in it. Like just amazing all around. Definitely recommend that show for sure on Hulu. Other content that I consumed was I watched the Venus and Serena Williams movie on HBO Max that's actually about their father called King Richard. And I have to say, it was different than what I thought. I'm not sure what I was thinking it was going to be about, but it was really about them 
as they were children and kind of they're getting into professional tennis. I don't know if I thought it was going to be, you know, throughout their whole life or or if it was just going to be when they were very little, but it was really at a specific point in their life and really told the story of their dad. I mean, it told their story, but really painted the picture of his vision and how he coached them and how he executed their careers for better or for worse. Um, And he was definitely an eccentric guy. He was downright weird in some ways. And I think some of his own securities came out in the way that he was raising his children. But for better or for worse, like I give the guy so much credit because he had a vision for them and he wanted what was best for them. And, and he didn't want them to be swayed by the glitz and the glam and the money that he knew was probably coming. And I respect the heck out of that. His ways might have been pretty unorthodox, but I respect anyone who's willing to like go up against people who are like, this is the way it's always been done. This is the way it has to be. And he was basically just like, no, I, I got a different way we're going to try out and we're going to make it work. And I respect that. So although he was an eccentric fellow and did things in a weird way, um, it was a really fun, fun show to watch, fun movie to watch. And I really enjoyed it. It was kind of long for my preference. Maybe this means I'm just old. I don't know. It was it was two and a half hours. Uh, again, maybe I'm just I'm turning into an old person and I can't watch anything over an hour and 45 minutes. I'm not sure. But I was definitely thought it was on the longer side, but definitely worth a watch. Recommend, like I said, on HBO Max. I gave you guys a little teaser into the fact that I was thinking about starting Succession, and I did, in fact, start it. I got an episode and a half into it, and I am very intrigued and interested to see where things go. I really do enjoy, like, a kind of, um, how do I want to say, a toxic family dynamic, like that kind of trope in a show is really endearing weird to say endearing but it is really endearing to me because it proves that like everyone's got their own shit and I truly believe that even the most prim and proper and put together families like everyone's got their own shit and so I like that premise of it it's really appealing to me and I'm looking forward to it my sister described it to me as a lot of rich people like doing drugs and behaving badly and she likes that trope a lot Um, I can get annoyed with it if it's too much behaving badly because I start to get annoyed but so far I have not seen that like I said I'm an episode and a half in, but we shall see how it unfolds. I can already tell you I love Kieran Kolka's um, character, (laughs) Roman. He's hilarious. Kind of a dick, but hilarious. So um, character development is on par thus far. Kendall, all of them, like character development is there. We will just have to see where they go with it. And I do plan to stick with that and watch that. The other show that's on kind of the back burner for me is Yellowstone, which I am probably going to try and watch as well because I keep hearing all the things about it. And, you know, I kept telling people that once it became winter, which technically it's not winter yet, but once it became winter and the days got shorter and it was dark and I had, you know, was in more of a TV watching mode. Come summertime, I want to be outside all the time. But when winter hits, I want to watch TV more. I was going to watch Game of Thrones for the first time. That's right. I just outed myself and told you that I have never seen Game of Thrones. It's true. And actually, I was really just holding out on it because it was like the thing I could tell people and they would be like, what? Like you are a pop culture commentator and you've never seen Game of Thrones? Whoa. You know, it was. And to be fair, like I was not a pop culture commentator when Game of Thrones was first going through its heyday. So just take it and shove it. All right. But now I've kind of held out just to be like, you know, to be an anarchist or I don't know, to just keep things alive and and free. And I was thinking of doing it. But now I feel like time is settled enough that I can watch it freely and absorb it without like the social pressure of having to ingest it and be obsessed with it. You know, like at this point, if I don't like it, I could come with a hot take about not liking it and people would be like, meh, that was so 
so, you know, five years ago. No one cares anymore. So that's kind of my view on it. We will see if that keeps going. The other show that I've never seen and I really think would be entertaining to me, and it is on HBO Max, which I currently have, is Entourage. So I may just dip into watching Entourage as well because I feel like friend group tropes are also really, really fun to me. You guys know Friends is my favorite show ever. Side note, one of my friends from college texted me today and she asked me for my address, presumably for a holiday card to send to me. And I told her that my address was 15 Yemen Road, Yemen. And I laughed out loud to myself because that is hilarious. And if you don't get that joke, go watch Friends and it'll all make sense. All right, y'all, that is going to cover our rants and raves of the week. Let's move on to some trending topics, get you all caught up in the pop culture world. Our first story is a American Music Awards recap. The American Music Awards aired live from the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles, California, last night on ABC. Hosted by Cardi B, the star-studded awards featured performances by BTS with Coldplay, Olivia Rodrigo, Tyler the Creator, Walker Hayes, Mickey Guyton, Bad Bunny, Carrie Underwood with Jason L. Dean, Kane Brown, New Edition, and New Kids on the Block, and Diplo was the DJ on duty for the entire night. BTS took home the prestigious Artist of the Year Award as well as Favorite Pop Duo or Group and Favorite Pop Song for Butter. Megan Thee Stallion also received three wins for her favorite trending song for Body, female hip-hop artist and hip-hop album for Good News. Doja Cat had the same amount of honors winning collaboration of the year for Kiss Me More with SZA, as well as favorite female R&B artist and R&B album for Planet Her. Olivia Rodrigo, no surprise, took home honors for new artist of the year. All right, y'all, the American Music Awards is always a fun show. It is voted on by the fans, so it is really the people speaking, and it is always tends to be a fun show. If you are into fashion, you are in luck because I do fashion recaps for all the award shows on my YouTube page. I will leave a link to that in my bio here and you guys can go check it out. I kind of broke down all of the fashion on the carpet. Honestly, it wasn't a great carpet. I mean, you should still go watch my video for sure and give it a thumbs up and subscribe. But um, it wasn't a great carpet. There were a lot of stars there. JLo performed even like Coldplay was there. There were so many big names there. Silk Sonic performed like there were a lot of big names there, but I feel like no one walked the carpet. So as a result, like our carpet looks and the red carpet recap was not great at all. And the looks that like were on the carpet weren't great. I I mean, I still had a best and a worst and there was still stuff to talk about, but it just compared to last year's AMA awards, the carpet was just like, I don't know what happened. Last year's AMA carpet was like fire. This year's was like a, a, a smolder, like a, I don't even know. It wasn't even a smolder. It was like a, it, uh, ugh, it was bad. It wasn't good. So, but if you're interested in the fashion, like I said, I will leave a link to that. In terms of the actual show, you guys, these shows go on so long. They're like three hours long and I don't have the attention span for that. As we just realized with King Richard, I just, I don't, I can't. So I watch like an hour and a half, two hours. I make it as far as I can. See what I can. Usually a lot of the big performances. Well, I can't say that's even true. They they space them out in a certain way. But I, I see like who I want to see. You know, if Taylor Swift were there, I would make it a point to see her. I would make it a point to see a couple of people and then I would leave. I do record it. And then if I want to go back and look, if I if I look at the news overnight and I see that a big performance happened, I'll go back and watch it so that I can take it in. But I watched like two hours of this and then I was out. I do think for the most part, Cardi B did a really good job of hosting. The thing about Cardi is that she is all personality and hosting like that's a big part of it. You need to like deliver what you need to deliver. But also like in this case, like you can put your spin on it. You can put your personality on it. And she did that. I will say at times it was hard to understand her because 
of like she talks really fast which like pot calling the kettle black I talk really fast so I can't even hate on her for that but she was hard to hear sometimes because she talked really fast and just because of her dialect and her heritage and I know she speaks other languages and stuff at times like I did have a hard time understanding what she was saying but I I don't think that it was like any discredit to her and it didn't like bother it didn't like lessen my viewing pleasure of the show it's just one of those things where you know trained hosts are are taught to like have the least amount of dialect possible she's not a trained host so that's not going to be something that she really hones in on, which makes sense. I mean, we got enough personality to make up for anything, you know, that was that was a little flubbed along the way. So overall, I think she did a really good job. And like I said, she is all personality in all ways. So I was pleasantly surprised by her. The next award show, I believe, is going to be the E People's Choice Awards, which I think is on December 7th. So again, I'll do a recap of that on my YouTube page, All the Fashion, and probably do a recap here of the show on the podcast. So stay tuned. That'll probably be our next award show recap. Moving on to our next story. I had to read this one twice, you guys. I could not believe this when I saw this flash upon my screen. The Staples Center is to be renamed Crypto.com Arena. That's right. Crypto.com Arena. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it, guys? The downtown Los Angeles home of the NBA's Lakers and Clippers, the NHL's Kings, and the WNBA's Sparks will change its name after 22 years of operation, arena owner AEG announced last Tuesday night. The Staples Center will soon be known as Crypto.com Arena. The name change will occur on December 25th as a part of a 20-year agreement that is believed to be the largest venue naming rights deal in U.S. history to date. Crypto.com, which is a cryptocurrency platform and exchange headquartered in Singapore, is reportedly paying $700 million for 20 years to rename the building. All right. So I kind of first stumbled upon renaming, you know, arenas last year or a couple years ago when the Milwaukee Brewers renamed Miller Park to American Family Field. We call it AmFam Field for short. You guys know I'm a Wisconsin native. And it was surprising to me. I was kind of like, wait, you, I thought when you name a field, like that's its name. Like my name is Carrie. Like I don't just go by Carrie for 20 years and then decide one day to go by Beth. Like I'm, I was confused. I was like, the name is the name. But supposedly this is a thing. And I have kind of decided that this is something that I had not encountered because to be honest with you, I'm not like a ton older than 20, 25 years old. <laughs> so I'm like, I was thinking to myself, like, I've never seen this before. And then it's like, well, I'm not 70 years old. Like, you know, like I don't have a ton of reference of this not being done before. So it kind of made sense in my head then. I'm like, okay, I guess. And, you know, I guess when people buy the the rights to things like it, it can change. It doesn't always. It depends on who owns the stadium, what the agreement is, what it comes down to. But this is happening more and more, like I said, with Miller Park, which is now AmFam Field. So it's just strange to me. I I mean, the name does not roll off the tongue at all. It is a little cringeworthy. And it's not just a random stadium in like Oklahoma. Like it's the Staples Center. It is one of the biggest, most well-known sporting and like entertainment venues in the entire world. I mean, not only all these sports teams, but concerts and, and WWE wrestling and all these different events are held at the Staples Center. So this is a huge deal. It's not, like I said, some random little stadium in Podunkville. Like this is a big deal. And even though the name doesn't roll off the tongue, I mean, $700 million is a lot of money. And I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't love it. But I also like I, I can't hate on anyone who's going to take $700 million and be like, OK, we'll call it, you know, shit park for all we care. You know, I, I don't know. I just 
I'm I'm not sure. It's definitely going to take some getting used to. And it might be something that people rebel against just because Crypto.com is not something that is particularly pleasing to say. Um, we'll have to see. For a little extra info, supposedly Staples bought the naming rights to the stadium 20 years ago for $100 million. So that was 20 years ago. And now, uh, you know, it's been renamed for $700 million. So, So that's a little economics and inflation for everyone studying at home. All right, y'all, our last story is Adele dropping her new album, 30, nearly six years after her smash hit album, 25, in 2015. Adele released her long-awaited album, 30, on Friday, November 19th, and it is infused with lyrics about heartbreak, self-forgiveness, and liberation. The standard track list is 12 songs long, with an additional three songs listed on the deluxe album, including her previous release single, Easy On Me. The 33-year-old has previously revealed that the creation process was a saving grace amid her divorce from her ex-husband, Simon Konecki, in 2019. Prior to the album's release, the singer gave fans a preview of 30 during her Adele One Night Only event, where she performed several of her old favorites and some of the new songs from the new album. All right, you guys, you know I talked about the One Night Only performance that she did on last week's episode, and I thought it was fun, and it was definitely good to hear her interview with Oprah, and it prepped me to listen to this album. I did listen to it in its entirety, and wow, between this album and Taylor Swift's 10-minute all-too-well version, it is enough to make a happily married woman break up with her husband and totally blow up her entire life so she can go enjoy her sad girl vibes in a corner for hours and hours and hours. I'm just kidding. I'm happily married. I love you, honey. But seriously, this album has all like the emo, like rainy day vibes. If you guys are a fan of the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three with a four wing. And my four wing tends to like really enjoy like sad music and rainy days and like poetry contemplating like the meaning of life. Like and this album was like totally speaking to my Enneagram four wing like in all the ways. It's not going to be an album that I listen to on repeat all the time, a la Evermore and Folklore, which I still listen to on repeat constantly. But it is going to be an album that when I want a certain vibe, a certain, like I said, rainy day, like emo, like contemplate the meaning of life vibe, I'm going to go to it and, and just like be in my feels and enjoy it. She had one song in particular called My Little Love that is about her, her son, her child, Angelo. And there were like over the song was like embedded in the song or underneath the song, whatever. There were like voice notes of her talking to her son. And some of it was so like tugging on my heartstrings. You guys, I am not a sap at all. Like I I have a pretty black heart, but like I was feeling emotional listening to this song. Like it was very... It was very intimate and hearing those voice memos felt like a very intimate thing for her to let her listeners in on. So that one definitely tugged at my heartstrings. There were a bunch of songs that I really enjoyed. Cry Your Heart Out was one of my favorites. Love is a Game. Oh My God was another good one. To Be Loved. Woman Like Me. I mean, just it's just a good a good album. Like I said, I look forward to going back to it when I need to be emo and cry and, and just be in my thoughts. All right, you guys, that is going to wrap up our trending topics of the week, keeping you in the know on all the latest in pop culture world, sending you home to your families on Thursday, and you can chime in on all the latest topics going around and be just informed enough to contribute to the conversation. You're welcome. Let's move on to our interview portion of the show. Today's guest is Hilary Russo. Hillary is both an award-winning holistic health coach, mental health practitioner, and TV journalist, with over 25 years on camera hosting and producing various programs across all media platforms. 
This conversation with Hillary was like a warm hug, you guys. She is so full of light and it just radiated out of my computer as we were talking. And I can just tell that she goes through everything she does in life in, in such a way that she's being authentically herself. And it's contagious. And I loved that. And I know you're going to get that through this conversation as you listen to it as well. This interview actually really took me back to a prior interview that I had with Larissa Wall, who is a animal rescue expert and TV host. If you haven't listened to that episode, I will leave a link to it in the show notes. But Larissa really talked about how she was able to weave her passion into her skills of being on air. And Hillary talks about that exact same thing. She knew that being in media was something that she was good at, that she enjoyed. But she also knew that she had a passion for holistic health. And she found a way to really marry them together. And it has taken her career to the next level and made her passionate and a huge success in what she's trying to do and what she's creating. In private practice, Hillary supports and empowers purpose-driven professionals to change the stories they are telling themselves by using Havening, a neuroscience and psychosensory-based approach that changes the landscape of the brain, removes emotional blocks in order to live resiliently, and be kind to your mind. It's part of what she calls brain candy, sweet and simple tools to put the power of active, emotional well-being in your very own hands. I know you guys are going to love hearing from Hillary and love this conversation, so without further ado, I will let her take it away. Please enjoy my conversation with Hillary Russo. Let's start out at the beginning. Tell us where you grew up and what you were like as a child. Hi, Carrie. First, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, where I grew up? Well, I'm a New Yorker. I'm a born and bred New Yorker. However, this girl has seen many estates because I worked in television news. So I traveled a lot of the country doing different um stints at different news stations. So, uh, but I'm from New York. I have been in the business for over 25 years and started on the stage, like most kids wanting to dance and just show off and, and have fun in theater. And I think theater was the bug for me that I loved being the informer and the person that people could listen to and just resonate with the information, whatever it is, be it art or facts, you know, of, of uh, being in television. So did you always feel like you wanted to be on air, uh, being an anchor? Obviously, your career has had a lot of different stages to it, and we'll get into that. But it sounds like from the get-go, you knew you wanted to be in front of all the eyes on you, like kind of performing in some aspects. You know, I think as a kid, you go one or two ways. You either want all eyes on you or you're very shy, right? But it working with children so much, I see that there is really, everybody has a voice and wants to share in some way. And there's nothing wrong with your way happens to not be performing and being in the performance arts. But for me, I feel like my mom and my teachers always used to say she marches to the beat of a different drum. So I guess I was kind of already in that. I, I loved having people listen that probably being the baby of the family didn't hurt because you feel like you're never heard. <laughs> But for me, it was always a place where I felt most comfortable, either on stage or, you know, pretending back in my day, I'm a little older than you, pretending that I was a DJ and pressing them and making mixtapes and pretending I was like, you know, going from one song to the other. I'm sure there's people out there that know what I'm talking about, where we would be our own DJ on the radio station. And that was actually my first job. My first paid job was a radio DJ. So I think it's just a fact that, you know, you have to find your calling. And I've been through many avenues, obviously, like starting out in, in theater, and then you move, it's a natural, it's a natural progression to be in the theater arts and then maybe look into television or go that direction. Um, news for me, 
didn't really come until probably college, actually. Yeah. What, what was your first news job? Tell us where what market you were in, because I'd love to hear <laughs> news market job. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I don't know if the numbers went that high. You know, so they technically really in the news industry, there's over 200 markets. I mean, from that's how they, they gauge them, right? 200 markets in the U.S. But really with the age of cable and Internet, it's so different now, even though they still equate the markets. But I started out in a really small market. I went back home for like a, a, uh, an internship during the summer and I was in Westchester County, New York. I don't even think, I mean, it was part of the number one market in New York city, but I worked for a small cable access station and I, I did double duty there. I was actually the only intern that was paid because I had a background in music because I played the violin for 10 years. So they thought, Hey, we'll hire this kid to do the overnight shift and do all the um, classical music. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. Uh, I think I pretty much butchered a lot of the big, big names, even though I played the violin for so long, there was something about being in front of the mic and doing all the PSAs and it really honed my skills. But also on the other side of that, during the week when I was interning there, I um, was a roving reporter out in the field for the local, the hyper local news, which was really awesome because this is one tip I can give people, especially in this age. And I tell this to my college students because I'm a college professor at broadcasting as well. And I tell them like, you don't have to go to the number one market to start out interning. You might be fortunate enough. I have kids in New York here that are working at all the, the big things in the city. But when you go to a smaller market or you go to a smaller company, you get more training because more skills are given to you to try out. And, you know, I was out there in the field. I covered a lot of stories. And then, you know, when I got to Dallas for college, when I went to SMU for Dallas, uh, at the university, I interned at KXAS, which was, you know, a top five market. And I was out in the field with the reporters and I was given some really awesome opportunities because I took those opportunities earlier. And um, from there, things just started to like doors just started to open when I started getting anchor jobs and reporter jobs. Incredible. First of all, that you were doing stuff, the overnight shift and playing the violin, like talk about wearing multiple hats. Definitely. I, I remember even when I moved before I got my job at or after my internship in Dallas, when I graduated college, my first real job, like first job college graduate was back in the radio. In fact, I had three jobs. So this is, this is how it works. You know, I had three jobs and I worked as an overnight like rock, less talk. That was our thing at a radio station. And then I worked daytime at a television station as a PA. So I was running prompter and getting scripts and writing copy and given some opportunities there as well. And, and then I, I think I actually worked at Applebee's. <laughs> Because <laughs> I love talking to people. So it like it gave me all these different skills of communicating because really, Carrie, it's all about connection and conversations. You know, I never call it interviews when I, I do my podcast. It's not an interview. It's a conversation. When I interview people or when I have conversations rather with people, it, it's I can't call it an interview because I think you separate yourself from the other. And when it's a conversation, we're on equal ground. You know, even if I'm the one who is leading the, the conversation for my show, for Holistically Speaking, for any of the other TV shows that I do, it, it's really respecting the space. 
And if I'm coming into something like on your show or when I do QVC and I'm coming into QVC to to be the guest expert in the area of health and wellness or any other TV market that calls me in to be a guest expert on their TV shows, um, I realize I'm in their space. So I'm very conscious of that. And the conversation we have, I let that person lead because that's really what it's about. It's, it's a dance. Yes. You actually, I was just going to say, it's like a dance and you're both participating. If you think of a swing yeah. dance or, or whatever, you're both participating, but there is always one person who is leading. And then the next person follows that cue, but it does take an active participation, uh, but it's really about playing the roles. So that was exactly what I was going to say. It's such a dance and you have to know if you're leading or following in that dance. And it's so beautiful when you have that balance, because the one thing I've found is that the most important skill we can have, especially in the broadcast or industry where you're maybe a reporter or correspondent or you're holding space for or host. I mean, we're, we're in a, there's really no separation anymore. Anytime you're in a conversation, it's knowing the balance because then you earn the respect and the trust. You know, if you're just going to ramble forever and it's all about you, 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 you're not holding space for that other person to share. And that's really important, but being an active listener, which you're very good at, by the way, I can already tell that just means that you're not just listening and you're not just hearing, you're actively listening, which means you're not waiting for your follow-up question. You're taking note of what's being shared because what's being shared might provoke the next question. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. It's about being a good listener as well as having your questions. And that's why I tell people too, I'm like, don't go into an interview and media people. I never struggle with that, but sometimes I've had people on the show who aren't as media trained and they want like the questions ahead of time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's not how it really goes. That's not how I really do it. (laughs) Cause it just, it's, it's so stuffy. Then it becomes question one, X, Mm -hmm. Y, Z question two. A, B, C, D, E, you know, and it's, it becomes yep. stuffy and not organic and you don't get people to share what comes to them in the moment. If that's the way you're going about it. Yeah. You couldn't have said it better because a lot of times, and there, there is space for that because even in my work as a host, as a reporter, whatever platform I'm on, be it the podcast, be it out in the field, uh, I've noticed that Sometimes you need to have those questions that you really want to make sure you get in there. I mean, especially, and you know this in podcasting, that there might be a topic that you want to cover. So maybe there's just something you really want to let your listeners know that your guest has the answers to. And sure, it's okay to have a lineup, but don't just go by the lineup. That's kind of like... That's kind of like bullet points and maybe a blueprint for where you want to go. But the most amazing thing is, and I learned this pretty early when I started watching the amazing Studs Terkel, who's no longer here, but he was an unbelievable reporter and correspondent in the field. And it was all about the art of listening. And I learned so much at an early age from this older man who did who interviewed everyone and, or had a conversation rather with everyone. And a lot of it goes back to listening because we all have a story. And, and when you hold space for people to just share, they will open up. And when you provoke them and give them the space to share who they are, oh, it's magic. It's magic. Magic. Such a good way to put it. I would love to hear, you know, from the anchor desk, 
into yeah. more of the hosting and then obviously your specialty now and, and what you do now. How did you get to that space? Because that's a big jump too, you know, from reading the news and talking about, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. That's definitely what local news is like a lot of the times, but then making the transition to what you're doing now. How did that happen? I'm so glad I don't have to use phrases like if it bleeds, it leads anymore. <laughs> it's so, and only because that's not the type of storytelling I like to do. I did it for years. I was on there during 9-11. I was, I've witnessed some really heavy stuff being in television news. And when I made the transition out, which was, you know, not too long after 9-11, I was a young news anchor that day on the set, not knowing what was going on. And I realized there was something that shifted in my mind. I love being the person people can trust to share the facts. But what I don't want to be is someone that is sharing only upset with people or because that's really, it is a lot how it works a lot. The bleeds, it leads. It's the top story. The one that makes the most notable change, most gets the most listeners, watchers, and then oh, the kickers at the end. And I want, I want the kicker up front. Like I want the good human interest stories and ways to help people in their healing and, and empowering them and inspiring them and touching and moving them in some way. So after nine 11 for me, I, I did a lot of soul searching. You know, I went back into theater. Full, I was doing a lot of theater professionally and traveling and regional theater. And then it was hard for me to be away from the camera because I was living in North Carolina at the time. And when you, I, I was very much the ethnically ambiguous, as they called it. <laughs> I don't even know if we use that term anymore, but it was uh, I was. I looked different from a lot of people. So I got a lot of work doing industrials and corporate videos and commercials. And so I kind of fell back into it. It was like a falling into since I got out of news and I started really gravitating to health and wellness, which I'd always been a part of because I had a sick father growing up. I had my own battles. So health and wellness was always in my life. And I realized that was an area that really touched me deeply and I knew that I could touch others with. So I really started working in that, but it wasn't until much later after seeing, you know, doing a lot of QVC because I'm a QVC on-air expert and doing a lot of, uh, getting a lot of work that re related to health and wellness. And I'm like, this is my brand. And that when that happened, I realized, yeah, holistically speaking was born and now I'm in holding space and touching and moving, inspiring people to find their, to live well holistically. And, um, that really, that, that resonates with me because I'm, when you're, when your passion becomes your purpose, it will become your profession, you know, and it, it feels so good to be in a space that I resonate with, which is finding your brand can really be a difficult thing when you're younger and you're trying to kind of find your way, but you will find it if you just are still and realize what is it you love that you want to share. Yeah, that's beautifully yeah. said. I am curious how your work in theater contributed or helps you, you know, into what you're doing now, because you're obviously have a passion for theater and enjoy it. And, you know, if you decided that it wasn't something you wanted to pursue 100 percent, that's great, but I'm sure there are some takeaways from it that you can transfer into what you do now even. Oh, all the time. In fact, when I have students that come into my classroom, when I always ask them, I'm like, who has theater background? 
And it makes such a big difference because they already understand how to break down scripts and context, really understand the literature that's being given to them, understand their bodies. They're, they're very in touch with their space and it can, it can make a profound difference. Uh, they, they've learned how to speak from their diaphragm and that's a confidence place. It's not talking louder. It's confidence. Like your core is confidence. And I feel that I've learned so much from that because you feel more comfortable on the stage. You've already established that you understand that there is a connection between you and, and that what I call the audience of one, you're not looking at thousands of people out in front of you. You're not looking at millions of people through the little camera lens that are possibly watching you on the other side. You're identifying and connecting with one person. So I learned that, you know, because I always teach you in theater, find the three points at the back of the room that you're looking at, you know, the exit signs, whatever. And that's where your, your eye line goes. Cause you don't want to look at the people in the audience. Cause that's breaking the fourth wall. But translating that into on-camera work, many times you are breaking the fourth wall. If you're hired as a speaker or a host or a spokesperson, because you're connecting with that person, but you are truly connecting with one. And I think what I've learned from that knowledge of, of the theater background, that we learn to connect on that level and, and own the stage, but share the space which is profound because you are the one on the stage that people are coming to watch, but you're sharing the space because they're there for the experience. And I translated that into my work on camera. Beautiful. Tell us some about why holistic health is really why the path you wanted to go down. You mentioned that your father had some health struggles, Mm -hmm. but you know, you could take wellness in a lot of different ways, but your brand holistic, you know, health, I love your little play on words there is so fun and so great. (laughs) Why is that really the avenue that you decided you wanted to pursue and go down? First of all, thank you for noticing that because I get really giddy with (laughs) wordplay. I have more of them in my pocket too, but holistically speaking, basically is um, it's my baby because I live holistically. I'm a certified holistic health coach of integrative nutrition. I'm also a certified holistic mental health practitioner of havening techniques. And I use these modalities and I use this approach with my clients, both privately. And then when I'm, you know, doing workshops around stage, but I live it. You know, I'm not just talking about it. I live it. And a lot of that happened because, you know, I grew up with a father who was severely diabetic, insulin dependent. I spent a lot of time doing my homework in and out of hospitals, lost my dad when I was 29 years old and realized and even battled my own weight issues as a kid. I mean, I I was um, I was the roller coaster dieter as a kid. And I think part of my control dealing with my father's illness probably was food. So I started pretty young learning about my relationship with food. I even went to like a a Weight Watchers camp, which we called it, well, we called it fat camp, but actually it was a TV show on television called fat camp. And that was my camp. Like when I saw it on TV, I'm like, I stayed in that bunk. So I find it humorous because we have to find humor in the healing. 
And I learned so much from my time and my relationship with food and learning how to cope, but I didn't have self-regulating tools and I didn't really have the support, the co-regulation that we really need for emotional support. Those things really weren't talked about when I was a kid. You know, you maybe you went to a therapist, maybe you saw the guidance counselor, but I'm trying to normalize emotional well-being and not just emotional well-being, active emotional well-being, because we have the power in our own hands to heal. I don't heal anybody. I give them the tools. I support my clients. I support people when I'm in a room on stage. I support any video that I do where that's where I'm coming from, that passion. But for me, it comes from the child, a child who grew up with the sick and disabled dad, my own health struggles. I also had TMJ, which is jaw surgery, TMJ jaw surgery at 15 years old. And this impacted my voice. This impacted me speaking. So I wanted to be empowered. And all of that led to how I work in with havening techniques, which is psychosensory approach that um, uses touch and pleasant distraction to alter the landscape of the brain. It helped me with my TMJ, the healing 30 years after the surgery, my father's death, my own relationship with food now, when we have those like crazy little cravings or just, you know, when we need to be motivated, you know, and that's really why this has become my platform because we all have things that we're dealing with every day, upsets. Maybe you're prepping for an audition and you're a little nervous. I can help with that. Maybe you are not as confident with your story. There are ways that we can help you with that. You know, it, it, the, the list is endless and that's why I'm here because I want to use my voice to touch, move and inspire people and let them know that the power of healing is in their own hands. And it's really beautiful because you've gotten to this place in your career where you have your passion for holistic health and then you have your on-air work and you've been able to marry them so beautifully. I had a friend of mine, Larissa Wall, on who works for with, with the morning show Home and Family, which it's now changed its name, but she's an animal expert on the show. But she started in in local news, just like you, and was really passionate about animals and animal rescue. And now she's like an on-air animal expert. And I feel like you've done something similar where you've got your passion and, yeah. and you know, your way that you can speak to people and reach people. And you've been able to marry it so beautifully. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate that. And that's just something that I appreciate the accolades, but I also just want to use that as, as, a, as a talking point to remind people, find your passion. What is it you love? Again, I say this in my classroom all the time. I feel like my class, my students, my college students are like the guinea pigs for everything that I talk about on the bigger scale. And they love it because you need to find what your core values are. You need to be able to resonate with a message and find your story. And that will become your platform on many way, in many ways, because that's exactly what I did. You know, I was doing a lot of TV. I, look, when I first went on QVC 12 years ago, when I first got my first airing, I was the, the Westinghouse solar light girl. I must have done like a hundred appearances in the first year. I didn't even have a backyard <laughs> to, to, to talk about solar lights, but I talked about it with passion and I shared other people's stories and I shared I romance the products of how I can use this product in my home, or you can buy it for your family, or you can do this or that. I mean, I had like 30 products that I was working with, but when I transitioned out of Westinghouse 
which I'm so thankful for because they were the break that I, I got when I was on QVC. When I, when I broke out of that and moved into more health, wellness, and fitness, it was like talking my language, right? And now I'm just sharing with such authentic, authenticity and love and in, integrity of everything that I'm doing. It, it opens doors, it opens doors and, you know, you wind up doing satellite media tours, which I do a lot for health and wellness or just different markets or different stations will call me or probably and smaller projects too. Um, it, it just, there's no end to what's possible. And then, you know what, create your own content. If the, if the work isn't there, create it. You, we have every tool we need to do it right in front of us from one of these well, preferably not this one because it's an iPhone 6S. I just ordered my 13. <laughs> I've been working off this one for a long time. But your phone or your, your computer, the Zoom, we have every tool we need to technologically create content. And that's a, as soon as we realize that, we have a more powerful message that we can share. We get yeah. jazzed by it. The barrier of entry is, is lower now than it's ever yeah. been. Yeah. But in terms of tactical advice or expertise that you could give for people who are trying to make their way as, as being an expert in whatever it is, and they want to go on the Wendy Williams show and be a style expert or, or whatever, or a parent, you know, parenting expert, and they want to get on QVC, on Wendy Williams, on Live with Kelly and Ryan and be expertises in this area, what is your tactical advice for them to do that, to make that leap? Yeah, reach out. You know, the segment producers of these shows want you to bring content. If you have good content, write it up, share what your possibilities are. That's what I do. I write the one pagers. I, I come up with an idea and look, there, there's so much talk out there now, especially coming out now that especially with everyone doing these online courses and whatnot, that the content changes. It just, it just, you tweak it right? You have your base content. So like I talk a lot about self-healing. I, I talk a lot about neuroscience and, but people don't want to know about that. What they want to know is how to feel better, how to, how to, how do I get rid of the stress and the anxiety? How do I manage? How do I build my confidence? How do I take this test? How do I deal with, you know, upset or depression? That's the, that's what they want. They want the answers for me, for what I do. But what I give them are my different little tools, right? Maybe I'm talking about havening. Maybe I'm talking about my uh, different workshops that I do. And in that, these little four to five minute segments are gold. And they're filling the space on the national scale, on the regional scale. And don't discount the regional because that's where if you're doing work locally, even though we're living in a global village, you can do a lot of good in your local markets. Uh, everybody wants to be on the national. I get it. And it's a great place to be, but you reach and connect with sometimes more people on the local scale. So reach out to your local stations because they are looking for content, you know, and, and ask for the segment producer, or the uh, producer of that show. It can make a big difference when you make that connection and start the conversation. 
Yeah, no, you're so right. I think that I have really gone through a metamorphosis with myself, just asking people for what, you know, I want or what I am looking for, Mm -hmm. even just getting you here on this podcast. I had never met you, you know, we were in a joint group and I put out a message on the joint group and was like, I am looking for X, Y, Z. And you responded like, that's how this meeting came to be. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. When you hold space for people and say that I need you or I can really find value in what you have to say, you're giving that person accolades too. And for me, when people ask to partake in a podcast or a TV segment or just a conversation article in a magazine, I, I saying yes is saying, giving people, giving more people information that could help them on their healing journey. I'm just, I'm not doing a, I'm doing a disservice rather if I keep it to myself. And I look, I'm on the other side of that a lot too, Carrie, because as a podcast host myself with holistically speaking, we're a pretty well-known podcast now. And, you know, we've been voted like number one of the 15 interview podcasts you should tune into in the health and wellness space or just in space in general. And Sometimes I'll get a no, you know, because sometimes people, PR people once in a while will be like, well, how many downloads do you have and how many numbers? And I'm like, oh my gosh, the minute these people realize we are more than our numbers and we are connecting and I I don't even know if I want that kind of person on there. And by the way, do they even know what the podcast is about if they're saying that? Now that's only happened like twice. (laughs) And then once, and one came back to me afterwards, I'm like, (laughs) You know, so the whole idea is that for me, you know, with my podcast, it's holding space for conversations from trauma to triumph through health, healing and humor. How could you not want to have that kind of a conversation? Because you're doing a disservice if you're not sharing who you are and what you have to bring to the table. If you're trying to get your message across, I'm saying, come into my house. Let's have a cup of tea. Let's have a conversation. People have a right to say no, that's fine. And they have, but it's the ones that say yes that are going to benefit because not only are the conversations reaching the listeners or the viewers, it's reaching these two people right here sitting in these boxes and you never know what can come from that. You just never know. So beautiful. And I would love to have a, who wouldn't want to have a cup of tea with you, Hillary? Like I just, (laughs) that's such a good way to look at it. Like who just let's have a cup of tea and chat. Like I love that. Yeah, totally. What What is something that you would tell like 20 year old Hillary. Oh goodness. Uh. (laughs) Um, You know, it's so funny. I'm like, be careful what you put on social media. That's what it'd be (laughs) because we didn't have social media back then. But I think in all seriousness, if I were to look back and let me just sit with this for a second, what would I tell 20 year old Hillary? Trust in yourself, listen, and the answers will come. If you sit in the silence and listen, your higher self is there. And a lot of times we get distracted by our own insecurities, the the inner bully, the belief system, the BS, as it is called, and the inner child that shows up a lot. And I do a lot of inner child work with my clients, you know, being a trauma-informed practitioner, working in that area. There are so many things that we think get in our way outside of who we are, but really what's getting in the way is ourselves. So if you just sit in the moment and if you're struggling with something, just be, take some deep breaths, 
and just ask the question and sit in the silence. And it's very, very likely the answers will come if you calm your mind. And be willing and prepared to hear the answers that are scary. Very, very well said. Yes. Because <laughs> when we ask the questions, that's, that's actually, I'm great. It's great that you said that because I remember early in my twenties, I asked a question and I used to do this a lot. I would ask questions. And then sometimes you're like, I don't like that answer that you get mad at the person. And I had, I had someone step up to me, a former you know partner tell me, you asked me the question and now you're upset that I gave you the answer, which is it? And that was a profound moment for me because I realized, oh, right. So I realized here's, so here's another thing I would tell 20 year old Hillary. If you're going to ask the question, you have to be open to whatever answer comes your way because you asked the question. Beautiful. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Tell us something that you are really proud of, of yourself, whether it's personally, professionally, just something that makes you beam with pride in yourself. <sighs> hmm. I'm really proud that I have given myself time to heal and take those experiences because like I say a lot, your traumas become your triumphs, right? So taking the time to heal and not rush the process. And sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's, that's really hard to do because we see crisis and we see upsets and we embody them, but it's when we can see the upsets that we have in our lives and, um, see that there's a lesson that we can learn from them and turn those crises into the gifts in our lives. Uh, that took some time. I think the pandemic actually accelerated things for me because I spent a lot of time by myself, but being comfortable being by myself, being comfortable in the silence. And that was not something I was very good <laughs> being silent. I mean, the word speaking is in my name, right? Uh, just being comfortable in that and, and knowing that I'm exactly where I need to be. There's a, there's a famous quote by Eckhart Tolle. That's, it's one of my favorites. It's life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. And how do you know that that's the experience you're having? Because you're having it. I might've paraphrased that last part, but it's very true because a lot of times we're trying to push things a certain way. And what I've learned to do is let go and let things happen organically and trust the plan because it's all happening for me. And even the lessons become the learning that I need to be who I am today. I love that, Hillary. Tell us where people can find you. Tell us about your podcast, everything that you want the listeners to know about where they can find you. Well, thank you for allowing me the time to do that. So people can find me at hillaryrusso.com, one L. <laughs> and if you're interested in havening, just slash havening after that. That is the psychosensory approach that uses touch and pleasant distraction to change the landscape of the brain, alter your thoughts, moods, and behaviors rapidly. And it's the work that I love to do. It is I'm one of the first 150 practitioners in the US and 500 in the world that practice this. And I studied with the founding doctors, but this approach has helped me on so many levels in my own growth, my own healing, but also with a number of clients that are 
scared of public speaking, or maybe they want to build more confidence, or maybe they were dealing with something just in their everyday life and it's getting in the way, you know, walking into the audition space and looking around and suddenly you're feeling uh, competition. No, don't go there. Come in with like confidence that you're bringing to the table because those casting directors want you to do well, right? They don't, they don't care about number two, three, four, and five out there. They're caring about you when you walk in the room. So bring it, right? So working in Havening. And then obviously my podcast is Holistically Speaking, and it is uh, available on all podcast platforms, but it's those conversations, like I mentioned, it's conversations with guests with varied expertise, sharing their traumas to triumphs through health, healing, and humor, because we need to find the humor and the healing. That's what helps us grow. And I've had some really amazing guests over the last 60 something episodes. I mean, we've been, we launched in the pandemic and I already had the idea prior, but I was putting it on the back burner. So that's another thing, like trust your ideas and go forward with them. Not tomorrow, do it. Like there's always a, well, I'll do it when, when this happens. And if I had done that, it's another disservice, right? If you're not putting yourself out there, if I'm not sharing the stories. So holistically speaking is um, available everywhere. You can find it on my, my uh, website. Of course, Apple podcasts is our, our biggest supporter. And uh, I'm really, I'm really glad to share the space with people every week and empower them. What about your Instagram or Twitter or anything? Oh, like yeah, that? sure. So everything's pretty much under the Hillary Russo handle, H-I-L-A-R-Y-R-U-S-S-O with that little at symbol before it. <laughs> I've holistically speaking too, but I mean, I've really built my name. My name is my brand. Holistically speaking is my business and it is my brand, but Hil- Hil- Hillary Russo at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, pretty much everywhere. So you can find me or wherever you want. I'm there. Perfect. Hillary, thank you so much for the time. Thank you so much for like sharing your light. I can tell like you just have sunbeams coming out of you. And I just appreciate you sharing that with me and with everyone else listening here today. Thank you so much for the, just, just for this time and having another, another delightful conversation. And I just want to tell people the most important thing you can possibly do every day, anyway, anytime is be kind to your mind. It all starts there. That was award-winning holistic health coach, mental health practitioner, and TV journalist, Hilary Russo. If you enjoyed this conversation, make sure you head on over and check out Hilary's podcast called Holistically Speaking. I will leave a link to it in the show notes and you can check it out there. For more information on Hilary and guests that have been on the show in the past, head to carriegillespie.com. If you are enjoying the show and enjoying the conversations that I am bringing to you, it would mean the absolute world to me if you went to Apple Podcasts and left the show a five-star rating and wrote a review about what you love about it. Reviews are really the currency of the podcast world, and it means the absolute world to me. I read them all. I smile from ear to ear. My heart gets all sorts of warm, and I start to have all the feelings kind of like the Grinch. So please (laughs) go leave us a review. It would make my day. If you want to keep up with me in daily life, you can find me on Instagram. I am at Carrie.Gillespie and the show is at Candid with Carrie. Thank you again so much to you all for tuning in for this week's episode. I am so appreciative to each and every one of you for being here and being a part of the community. I hope you have an incredible Thanksgiving. I hope you eat all the food and take naps and just watch football or read a book or shop or do whatever it is that lights you up. I'll be back here next week, Tuesday for another episode. So in the meantime, be kind to others and make good choices. Bye, guys.